This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is brought to you by The Hour. The Hour is a lifestyle brand that offers a wide range of products from herbal workings to unique designer fashions. All of the herbal workings are handcrafted and bathed in good juju by its creator, Mama Zodi. So run on over to their site and sign up to be notified of when their limited edition fashion drops happen. And this is a side note. They ain't paying me to say this, but the stuff is cute that they got coming. <laughs> their site is www.thehourll.com. And that's three lowercase l's to make the Roman numeral three. So it's the hour three. And also check out their Instagram at the underscore hour LLL. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never give play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bed to make a stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped. Manifested everything, give me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. This podcast is all about black ass spirituality, honoring our ancestors, ourselves, uncovering more about African traditional and diasporic religions, you know, decolonizing our faith practices one episode at a time. I believe that liberation exists first in the spirit, as they say, as above, so below. I'm your host, Juju Bay, and I come to this show as a psychic, a Reiki practitioner, a medium, a hoodoo, of course, happy hoodoo heritage month, gang, gang, to all my hoodoos out there, my hoodoos and the voodoos and the conjurers and the root doctors and the two-headed doctors and yes, the voodoo girls and um, an Orisha devotee, I pet say be... All the things, that is me, a religion enthusiast, and I'm so happy to be with you all again in October. It's, as I said before, Hoodoo Heritage Month, where we celebrate all that Hoodoo has done for us. We celebrate the culture that is Blackness. That is what Hoodoo Heritage Month is. We celebrate the culture that is Blackness, Black culture, how Black culture has uh, survived and continues to survive, continues to protect, continues to bring us joy, laughter, continues to give us hope, faith, um, and the the spirit of that. That's how I look at um, Hoodoo Heritage Month, because Hoodoo is everything. Hoodoo is everything Black, particularly Black American. So again, happy Hoodoo Heritage Month. I hope y'all are doing well and having a good month. That you're taking care of your altars. You always should be taking care of your altars, child. But, you know, maybe doing a little extra. What's funny is that, um, you know, Hoodoo Heritage Month is a newer concept idea holiday. 
that I I think was coined by Mama Rue. We have an episode with Mama Rue. I'll put it in the show notes. And um, so <laughs> at one point, maybe it was last year or some point when I was talking about Hoodoo Heritage to my ancestors, they like, girl, what the fuck is Hoodoo Heritage <laughs> What the hell is a hoodoo heritage month? And I'm like, y'all, it's it's what we need. And they're like, oh, okay, like they didn't know. So you may even have to tell your ancestors it's hoodoo heritage month because they they could be like, we ain't had that. What is the what you know? And uh, some of our ancestors didn't call it hoodoo. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Um, I'm really excited for today's episode because we get to talk to the lovely Alyssa, aka the Creatrix. And um, we love Lissa over here. We love our hoodoos over here. So I'm very excited to get into the interview. So I don't want to ramble too much. I also just don't have much to say today. I know I normally update y'all on my life and say kind of what's going on with me, but I'm chilling. Like I, Mercury is still in retrograde, Boosie fade, Gatorade at Rite Aid. Now, actually, no, when this, when this uh, episode comes out, Mercury will not be in Rite Aid anymore. It'll it will have went to Walgreens, I believe. So we we should be good. We should be feeling some things kind of ease out. I I've definitely been feeling some things ease up for me personally. So that has been positive. And um, yeah, so let's get into uh, donations. Shout out my beautiful, lovely patrons, and then we're gonna get right into the show, y'all. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. All you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting is not free. It takes time, money, and resources to produce this show for you, which is why contributions are so important. And there are a few ways to donate to the show, both monetarily and non-monetarily. So monetarily, the first way I'll mention is through Patreon. So Patreon is a way that you can contribute to the show monthly. So on the first, around the first of every month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate ranging from $1 to a million dollars, as many dollars as you like. And uh, this is simply to help support a little juju podcast. But depending on your level of donation, you may get a few extras. I'm thinking ebooks, classes, discounts, updates, tutorials. My patrons know it's a lot of different things going on in there. And that is a wonderful way to be in a committal support system with the podcast. Now, if that's a little too much for you, you're not ready for that, understood. You can always just hit me up on the Cash App, dollar sign, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E, or on Venmo, it's Jujubay, or through PayPal at paypal.me slash J-U-J-U-B-A-E. And for the non-committal ways to donate, that is shouting the show out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your homie, tell your lover, tell your sister, tell your brother. Tell everyone about a little Juju podcast who you think would benefit. Shout me out. Repost the episodes when they come out. Just spread, help spread the good Juju gospel. Also subscribe, rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Say, I love this podcast. It's really helped me so much. Those are all the ways that I really, really appreciate and also help contribute to the show. So our newest patrons that we have is shout out to Ali Boo Robinson. Thank you so much, Ali Boo, for becoming a patron. And shout out to Renee Harlston. Um, and also shout out to Crystal Lewis. Now, I, Crystal, I feel like I shouted you out last time, but baby, I'm going to shout you out again because we love to see it. We love to see the donation. 
Um, thank you again to Ali Boo Robinson because I want to remind y'all that I have different tier levels on Patreon where you like, oh, you can give $10 a month. You can give, you know, what's my other one? 22, 50, whatever it is. But you can also not give that at all. You could give as much as you can or desire. Like it doesn't have to be within the tiered range. Of course it can be. There's things that come with that to support, but you can give $1, you know, you can give $2, you can give $3. So, um, $5. So I just want to shout out also just the folks that, uh, just still give and, and aren't, weren't necessarily deterred by the tears because I know that's a real thing. I've been deterred by tears before, but you can still give to people on Patreon, not just me in general. You can, you can give as, as little or as much as you want. You could give beyond my tears or way less than my tears. So I just want to say thank you to y'all. And uh, I want to send all of my good juju, my good energy, this good money conjuring. I'm going to have my patrons in mind. I'm about to do a money conjuring soon. I'm about to do a good money work. I will keep y'all in mind as I do that work. And I'm just sending all the abundance juju to you as you are sharing it with me. May you have the resources. May you have the financial gains, the prosperity, the abundance, and whatever it is that you need to achieve your dreams, to do your work, uh, to uplift your community. I pray that you're able to do that with ease. So I'm sending it, the energy that you send to me, the financial energy back to you a hundredfold, tenfold, a thousandfold, all the folds, honey, so we can fold these dollars. <laughs> Thank you so much to my patrons. Thank you so much to those of you who donate in, in other aspects too. I appreciate you. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so let's get into this wonderful episode with the Creatrix, Alyssa, who we stand over here on a little juju podcast. Y'all, please get into this interview. It was so good. I've actually been thinking about a lot of things that Alyssa um, brought up in this interview, particularly around birth work um, and herbal medicine too, but like just the, the like, we just need birth workers, black birth workers, and the hoodoo that is inherent in birth working. What can I call it? Doulaship, all of that shit. Like we really, really like it is such a powerful, 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 powerful work. And I was reading a book recently that wasn't about birth workers, um, but it was about um, uh, African spirituality, the healing wisdom of Africa. And there's just so much rich, rich, rich work in 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 folks who carry babies from one realm to the next or support um, those who are carrying the child from from one realm into the next. So we stand, Lissa, over here. We stand um, ethically sourced materials and black botanicas and all of that. So get into this interview, get into Lissa, go follow, support, 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 um, because we need to continue to uplift all of the black practitioners, but particularly this month and every month, the black hoodoos that are doing the work that are, that are educating, that are studying and trying to lead us to a better place and trying to lead all of us to a collective sense of, of community and freedom and, and joy and resistance. So, uh, without further ado, get into this episode. Oh, if you are listening audio, of course you can just, you know, have me as the flavor in your ear. But if you want to take a look, we did. Oh, wait, no, we didn't even, we didn't video this. This is, this is giving a flavor in your ear episode. Okay, never mind. Don't go to YouTube. Stay right here. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and enjoy. 
All you need is a little juju. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast, another interview episode. And I'm so excited to introduce my guest today because this is someone that I have admired, you know, from afar for some time um, on Twitter and just seeing her words and talking about hoodoo and talking about liberation. Um, it's always really resonated with me and my work. So I'm excited to have Miss Hoodoo Juju herself on the podcast, Lisa. Yes. yes. Hi. <laughs> hey, boo. How you doing? I am well. I'm. I'm. I'm blessed to be here. Yes. I'm thankful. I love you so much. I'm. I'm glad to be here and um, you know, get to share this space with you. So thank you for having me. Yes. Likewise. I love you back. So let's get right into our interview. Um, who are you? You know, how do you identify yourself in whatever way you want to answer that? Okay, yes. So I am Lissa. Um, many people call me the creatress. Um, and that's where my, you know, handle comes from. I am the creatress. Um, I'm 28 years old. I'm, you know, a woman. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am bisexual. So hello to your babies. Hey, y'all. I am a Southern gal. I'm from Decatur, Alabama. Um, But I'm also a Chicago girl. So I I had a lot of my upbringing here in Chicago and I live here now. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my biggest identities is mother. Um, I am a couple people's mama. Mm-hmm. I have two boys. Um, and so, you know, for them, I'm mama, I'm teacher. I do homeschool them. Um, you know, I'm doctor, <laughs> best friend, whatever I am that day. Um, so that part, I am a birth and postpartum doula, two head, um, two headed birth worker out here. So that is another huge aspect of me, as well as being a traditional herbalist and root worker slash root doctor in the hoodoo tradition. So yeah, that's That's me. So um, can you go a little bit more to detail about your spiritual background and also um, just explaining what it means to be a two-headed doctor, root doctor, and just all of that? Yes. Okay. Um, So personally, my journey in the way of herbalism and plant medicine began about seven years ago um, when I first started working with herbs. That was before um, I had really found hoodoo and hoodoo had really found me, but little did I know, like many of us, I was already, you know, deep up in it from just the cultural upbringing and um, all of that. So my journey really began with Um, you know, just transitioning to a more natural lifestyle. You know, of course, my diet um, played a huge role in that. Um, And then, you know, just just getting into the idea of holism, holistic work, holistic healing, Mm -hmm. holistic living, um, and that, you know, current path. Um, And then, Um, As far as being a root worker and root doctor, which came, you know, down the line, um, that for me um, as a root worker, I work with the plant spirits. You know, I I help to bring healing, bring balance, bring restoration through plant medicine, as well as 
um, you know, natural medicine. So not just working with the plants, but working with, you know, the natural elements, Mm -hmm. with living things, um, even some inanimate things. Of course, working with nature spirits and, um, you know, the forces, the divine forces around us Mm -hmm. Um, as a doctor, which I am still definitely training. I feel like I'll be training forever. (laughs) Right. Um, but as a root doctor, I address more of the physical elements. Um, so, you know, root working more so addresses the spiritual conditions, mm-hmm. whereas the root doctoring gets a little more into the, well, <laughs> a lot more into the physical practice, um, mm-hmm. you know, really learning and studying the body, being able to heal physical ailments um, and physical diseases, as well as, you know, the spiritual. Of course, it's all encompassed. But like I said, the root doctoring is a little more, um, you know, in in depth or, um, you know, specific to that. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a good distinction. um, And I appreciate you making that. And I don't even know if that's a distinction that I've actually made. personally. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, um, I'm curious what called you to name yourself, um, not just a root doctor, but well, I guess what called you to hoodoo specifically? Um, because there's a lot of ways to do herbalism work. There's a lot of ways to work with plant spirits. So for you, what was your like, hoodoo is my, that's where I'm going to be. That's where I am. That's my path. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, for me, <laughs> I actually went on a whole little journey mm-hmm. to, from, and back to hoodoo. Um, mm-hmm. so it really started with the ancestral altar, um, and just, you know, learning about spirituality from the lens of my own lineage, my own ancestors, even the collective ancestors of the African-American woman, Um, Because I do, I feel like when I first got into, you know, spirituality, quote unquote, um, it was definitely a lot more new age, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot of the, um, you know, just the popularized new age information, um, the truths within that, which of course come from indigenous cultures, um, is what grabbed me. And then, um, you know, I went through that journey. Um, Eventually, I'm like, okay, I need something that is African, you know, because mm-hmm. I began to, um, you know, further come into that self-actualization of myself as a Black woman and what that means um, as an African descendant. And so I was drawn to, you know, Ifa. Um, I was drawn, drawn to Vodou. Um, and so I kind of went down that path a little. But what really spearheaded it, <laughs> honestly, one night I was sleeping weather peacefully and I was abruptly awakened and something was just just had my attention it was it led me to get on my phone <laughs> you know I was like what is this what's going on I got on my phone and I know I was searching like voodoo hoodoo I know it was something I had to be because I came across Mama Ru's podcast and this is like 3 30 in the morning um, my partner's like, what's, what are you doing? Cause I just kind of like woke up and, wow. and just went into this deep research and now it's 4am and I'm, I'm sitting in the bathroom listening to Mama Ru's podcast. Um, and so after listening to that, you know, I had really connected to the part about our ancestors and our ancestor altar. 
Um, and so I already had a, an altar up at that time, but it, I wasn't really working it at that time. It was just there, you know, as a representation of, of I guess, the journey that I was about to take. Um, but eventually I started searching more and I, that's when I came to Ifa and I came to Bodu. And I, I feel like at that time I came to it um, genuinely wanting truth because when I did start looking into who doing voodoo, um, I came across a bunch of bullshit, you know, a bunch of white washed, um, marketeer who do mostly white people, you know, lucky mojo and all these other, all these people who perpetrate hoodoo. And so I was kind of turned away from that. And so even with Mama Ru's podcast present, um, I guess I just didn't get into it the way that I should have, but I always think about it because it was first. Um, and so once I saw all the, the misinformation, it kind of pushed me away. And that's when I started seeking something that I thought was more authentic or, you know, more um, powerful or, you know, more true. And so I went toward, you know, African traditional religions and, you know, I learned a lot. And I, and I still um, reference and I still pay my respects and, and have a deep love and respect for African traditional religions on the continent. Um, however, eventually <laughs> my ancestors brought me right back around. I think really just as I got more into the practice and, and started going to an ELA, um, I, I realized more so how important the ancestral aspect is and the ancestral connection and understanding, being able to hear and, and speak with them and, and have them to guide me along this journey wherever I go. And so that brought me right back around um, into what I now know is hoodoo. So just really doing the research of who are my ancestors? What did they practice? What did they study? Um, what did they have access to? Um, and just going from, you know, my closest ancestors on really led me into this here hoodoo. And so um, there I was, I was brought back around to Mama Ru and, um, you know, under her guidance, I was able to acquire even more, you know, information and, and actually find my role, find my place in the tradition. And so that's kind of how my, my circular journey went. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, of course it answers the question. Okay. And I'm over here <laughs> nodding. Um, I appreciate you, you know, bringing up the ancestral aspect. Of course, you know, this is an ancestor stand account, but, you know, I think a lot of times I get asked like, well, I don't know which, um, you know, African traditional religion to follow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's just like, I just appreciate every time someone says yes, but like, just talk to your ancestors, like see where it guides you, see where it leads you. Cause it might already be right in front of your face. And like you're saying, like Hootie was there the whole time. Um, and you kind of had to go to these other spaces, which, you know, we respect and appreciate and I'm going to reach a devotee, but yes. it's like, but we also have hoodoo <laughs> like and, we, and, we've, yeah. and we've had access to it the whole time mm-hmm. um, so yeah thank you for saying that um so my next question is a little bit more about uh your plant work and herbalism work so were you you were doing herbalism work pre hoodoo or well pre yes. like understanding it and claiming it right yes i okay. was so okay. yes i started out with just working with medicine, working with plants. Got it. Um, I really always was very drawn to nature. Like even as a, as a child, I spent a lot of time in my backyard, 
we had um, honeysuckles and we had magnolia tree and we had all these beautiful plants and flowers in Alabama. And so, you know, I remember just sitting out there and just really talking to <laughs> talking to the plants, talking to the spirits. I was based, I was an only child, but my brother was 12 years older than me. So I spent a lot of time by myself um, and I like to spend it outside. So when I did get older, and I turned to this natural lifestyle. Um, and I started really working with plants in the way of food, um, which, of course, is also hoodoo and it's also African mm-hmm. tradition because food and spirituality go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So working with the food aspect led, led me more into the plant aspect and, and actually working with the herbs as well. Um, and so... Yeah, it it started there. Um, I started just healing the body, you know, really learning about how the herbs work with the mind, how they work with the the body and the spirit. By that time, I did have have a holistic approach. So um, it came that way. So when I did, you know, when when I found Hoodoo and Hoodoo found me um, and I I was already I had already kind of identified who I was, you know, um, in that in that way, because I was already working with the plant medicine, hoodoo allowed me to understand it on such a, on a whole nother level, you know, mm-hmm. um, and really finding, cause I feel like at that time I understood that plants were living things and that they had, you know, personalities and things like that, just from having plants at home. But, um, once I really started to understand and actually work with actual spirits, um, to the point where, you know, in hoodoo, I took it a lot, a lot further, you know, just because I had to, <laughs> I had to get that, um, I had to really exercise that gift in so many ways um, of talking to spirits and communicating with them. So now the way that I work with plants um, is definitely on another level. Um, however, you know, the foundation was already there. So, got yeah. you. So I'm curious. Um, Sort of what is the, to you, the importance of folks who practice hoodoo to understand plant medicine? Um, Like, is it more of a, do you think we can, we can see the root worker to understand the plant medicine for us? Or is it something that everyone should be trying to dabble in or learn about, you know? Because I Mm. I often think about that as some people are new in their journey. And I think even when I was new in my hoodoo journey, I was trying to be all up in the earth and the plants and stuff. And <laughs> I am, and I know, but I know that's not my thing mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? So I'm just curious of how you, how you see folks establishing relationship to plants um, and if it's important and then how they can go about doing that. That's a really good question. Um, and what comes up for me is I think that it is important for all of us who do's to have a fundamental understanding of the relationship mm-hmm. between different spirits, you know, mm-hmm. and that's all this, you know, whether it's plants, whether it's, you know, the elements, the, the, the wind, you know, the, the, the ocean, whatever it is. I feel like that, that part needs to be, you know, deeply embedded in our minds and our spirits, you know, in our hearts, because this tradition re- relies on it so much, no matter which, you know, because, you know, conjurers might not ever really need to touch a plant, you know, because they might right. just be straight up conjuring through spirit or through other, you know, other things, other mm-hmm. elements. Um, 
however, you know, they can still have that idea of, you know, if I need to connect to a plant spirit, if I need to call a plant spirit forward, I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so the same with your everyday person, because if you're connecting with people, you're already connecting with the spirit, you know, between you and that person. So knowing how to speak to, how to tend to, you know, how to call forth, how to draw away from, you know, that's that's important just, you know, in our everyday day-to-day life, just in our culture. Um, as far as really um, learning about plants and, you know, going outside and, and sitting and meditating with plants, no, not everybody needs to do that. That's not everybody's path. Um, and that's where it's also good to have community and have trusted relationships with the people who do that work, because then you can, you can rely on them to a far extent. And then you yourself can rely on, you know, your trust in spirit, your trust in nature, your trust in the elements to help assist that person with that work that they're doing on your behalf. Um, you know, so I think that, like I said, it's really more important to have that fundamental understanding and respect for and relationship with spirits. And then you kind of find your niche of that, you know, wherever mm-hmm. that is, is most important. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just having the fundamental understanding, but knowing that you don't have to do everything all the time. You don't have to do it all. Like we we have special gifts, special niches, as you said, that we can really um flourishing and work with and then when Mm -hmm. we're in community like you said I know I'm not the plant plant girl like (laughs) some plants yes but I'm not the plant plant girl but I know where I can go um in -hmm. order to access that knowledge or access that plan or to access anything that I that I need because of community so thank you for also bringing um, that aspect into it as well um yeah I want to talk a little bit about um, your work as a doula and sort of the intersection between root work and and birthing, because black folks have a legacy of uh, in this in this particular uh, field, in this particular space. And so I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that kind of birth work tradition when it comes to to hoodoo and and root work in. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I identify as a two-headed birth worker and that, of course, comes from my ancestors and their ability to be in two places at once, you know, um, have the head here in this realm and have their other head in the other realm. Mm. Um, And so in birth work, that looks like literally, um, I know in like Black church traditions we we talk about tarrying in the spirit you know and it's kind of like holding that space <laughs> between the two realms really being at the crossroad and, and I've seen that more and more in my birthright especially as I've developed my relationship with the man of the crossroads how involved he is in the process of bringing these spirits earth side and back you know that's so, so interesting um, oh that's mm-hmm, right right <laughs> and so I you know, learning more about, because let me think, when I became a birth worker, I had my son in 2016. So yeah, I was just kind of transitioning into hoodoo um, at that time. But I feel like, yeah, when I had my my home birth, which is what led me to become a birth worker, um, I wasn't quite immersed in hoodoo tradition yet. And so you know, the inspiration came from just the natural aspect of it, like how how easeful it was and how much it just made sense compared to my hospital birth. 
Um, but now as I've dived into the hoodoo tradition, like my, the way that I see and, and perform my duties as a birth worker is just so much more deep, you know, because I'm, I'm starting to understand just what our ancestors had to one, remember and learn and apply with such little resources. Um, and two, how much they had to, when they were tearing in the spirit, in the spirit, they didn't have the same type of luxuries and conditions that we have now. So they was really getting it out the mud, you know, and they were able to do it with so much success, you know, in which with so much ease to the point where even our enemies were relying on us for our birth practices and the way that we were able to successfully bring yes. these, these babies earthside. Yes. Um, but aside from that, we really did rely so much on spirit for that process. And that is where a lot of modern birth practices kind of fall short is that they, they don't really involve spirit at all. Um, and so my work now with being a two-headed birth worker, it really calls for me to be really in tune, like on so many levels. And it's even better when my clients are also in tune as well, because I've, I've had that and I see how, just how we flow, just being able to put, you know, let spirit do his job, you know, and, and just know that we're just kind of following along and doing what we're supposed to do, what we need to do. So whether it's the client herself or themselves, you know, their body, um, and just trusting that their body knows what to do, trusting that they know when something is wrong, you know, or, you know, when it's time to do this, when this transition is happening, um, just rely on those natural and intuitive urges. Um, and then also, you know, with me kind of being intuitive as a doula, knowing what my, my person needs, what their partners need, what the other care team members need, you know, being able to just tune into that at every moment. Um, I feel like that's a big part of it, just simply, right? Just relying on spirit. And then, of course, having herbal knowledge and background really adds to and aids that process because I am able to draw from the plant medicine. You know, I'm able to, um, you know, help my clients figure out what herbs can help them with certain conditions, you know, what can help with us moving labor along a little bit. Maybe we need to slow it down a little bit because I need to rest. Um, you know, being able to have the resources to kind of manipulate the conditions and the energies to, you know, help us flow through that birth in the best way possible. I think that that's one of the best things about it. Um, and that's where hoodoo really comes in because our ancestors knew this stuff and they was using it and employing it all the time, you know, and a lot of times they call it, you know, old midwives tales and things like that. And I feel like back in the day, I used to picture these old white women when they would say old midwives tales or old midwives remedies or recipes. Um, but it was really us. It was our ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they knew what to use and what to do right. um, to help. You know, Betty Sue <laughs> had his baby before 8 a.m. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they knew how to they knew before the baby without, you know, being able to have an ultrasound. Mm. They knew that baby was going to be born breech. They knew that maybe that baby was going to be born stillborn. You know, they knew these things and they had ways of divining. They had ways of, um, you know, predicting and being correct <laughs> so um those things I do like to draw from you know when my clients do allow 
or request divination, we can employ those practices. You know, we can also, um, you know, in many traditions like the Dagara tradition, you the child would speak from the womb through the mother and tell you who they are, um, you know, and you are to welcome that child according to who they are and let Mm -hmm. them know that you will help them with their gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're able to do those things. I'm able to incorporate that into my work and into my services so that we're really, you know, just so much more connected to our ancestral ways and our ancestral practices. And so I think that's, probably (laughs) one of the best ways um that being a birth worker in this day and time you know allows us to really hone in on our ancestral traditions and gifts Mm. yeah that was so good like there was moments where I got chills when you were talking and then my eyes started watering like like that was just (laughs) that really moved me um because I don't have children Um, Mm -hmm. So I, even though, of course, I know the legacy and tradition of, you know, birth work within hoodoo and and just black people in general, to hear you talk about um, our ancestors and I mean, and even now knowing who the child could be, how they may present themselves in the world, um, knowing if the child could be stillborn without an ultrasound, like all of these technologies is something that I never thought deeply about um Mm -hmm. so for you to say that it just continues to affirm like how powerful we really are like (laughs) the the power that we just carry to be able to do that work like I never really thought about birth without an ultrasound even though I want a natural birth but just to hear Mm -hmm. you kind of say it was like oh right right (laughs) like right right it's wild. It's wild, especially being in these spaces, you know, mm-hmm. being in a space where life is coming forth and all the variables, you know, seeing all of the elements that are going into this birth um, and then thinking about it as like, wow, you know, our ancestors are really doing this by themselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a group, you know, just a group of them. They were training each other. You know, I was reading a really good um, narrative from a uh, enslaved woman who was talking about she started her birth working at 15 you know she started doing it and she was like she never lost the baby you know and she knew she said she never lost the baby because she could go into it and feel the energy Mm. of the space and know "Mm -mm, something's gonna go wrong and so she Mm. would call in a doctor Mm who was the white you know the white doctor to do it you know because she knew and so but that was at 15 15 years old you know all you need is a little juju so this is really our practice you know this is this is our thing and of course we've been um forced out of it you know through through the government through Mm -hmm. um regulations that basically say we're not competent even though we was doing this and we've been doing this for you know since the dawn of time um you know but because of of these regulations um because when I had my home birth in 2016 I had it in Alabama and it was illegal to have a midwife so my only option was to have it by myself so I had an unassisted birth um and yeah and I think maybe a year or two later they finally um you know, passed a midwife bill where now 
you can't have a midwife, but that was in 2016. So that ain't that that long ago. No, my baby's five, you know? So to think that those um, laws were put in place just to push us out, just Mm -hmm. so that we had to go to the hospitals. And then if you think about the fact that in the hospitals, our death rates are ridiculous. So they basically pushed us out of our homes where we were having safer births Mm -hmm. into hospitals where then they began neglecting and malpracticing on us. And we're still seeing the remnants of that today. Um, And so that's why birth work is also liberation work Mm -hmm. and is also, you know, healing work for our community and for our people because it's literally saving lives, you know. Yes. Ooh, I know you all are enjoying this wonderful show, but I got some tea I got to share with y'all. Okay, so there's this brand, right? Kismet meets Karma, and it's a spiritual supply store selling items such as spiritual oils and ritual and manifestation boxes, where everything you need for a successful working is in one box. Each product is handmade with focused intent and powerful magic. So if you want to add an extra boost to your rituals, or you just want to hear your spirit guides and ancestors a little more clearly, you can head on over to www.etsy.com slash shop slash kismet meets karma. That's K-I-S-M-E-T meets karma. And you can use code Juju15 for 15% off of your order, which we love. All right, y'all. All of that will be in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. All you need is a little juju. Oh, yeah. I feel like birth work as liberation work is something that I would just love to talk more about just in general and to see more about and hear more about because, and and it probably is happening um, in mm-hmm. birth work spaces, but I would just love it to just be out there so much more because when I think about it as liberation work, I think, you know, bringing a child into the world is one of the most liberatory experiences mm. that everyone has experienced at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. Like what is more liberatory (laughs) than coming from the, uh, a womb and into a world. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and from, or from the spirit realm and coming into the physical realm, like it is probably one of the most transformative experiences besides death. So Mm -hmm. yes, like, Baby, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's really yes. making me emotional. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So I guess my next question in that uh, vein is, what would you say to someone who wants to be a birth worker? Um, and you're talking about regulations. So to be a birth worker, is it something that you need a formal training to do like sort of how what are different ways that people get the proper training and understanding to do this but when I say training you know I'm not necessarily just talking about western um mm-hmm. quote-unquote formal training but just kind of what what would that process look like for someone who would be interested in that yeah could okay look good like. question mm-hmm. so there's many different ways to go about it. Um, and I think that all of them are valid in their way. Um, so I know when I first trained for my doula, um, certification, you know, we were told, you know, you don't have to be trained or certified to be a doula. Um, and some people do it naturally just in their families and in their lives. Um, and I've seen that play out. So for example, with my home birth, 
it was just me, my partner, and my mom. Neither one of them are medically trained. Um, <laughs> my partner, he and I, you know, we did our due diligence and training together and with each other. Um, but my mom, she really, you know, she might have watched a video or two. But um, even now, as a doula, with, with as much experience as I have, she still, she did what she needed to do. She did her part exceptionally well. You know, she was my support person. She was with me throughout the entire process. You know, she held my hand. She encouraged me. Um, you know, she made sure my partner was doing what he needed to do. <laughs> so telling him, hey, go get her this, go do this, do this, you know, in her way. Um, but that essentially is the role of a doula is taking care of the birth person, you know, taking care of the partners and the family members who are there and helping to create the experience they need, helping to bring them comfort, um, as well as, you know, at the bare minimum, right? And so, um, you know, that's valid. And so there's people who do that. There's people who, you know, have big families and they're the one who's there for all of their nieces or, you know, all of their little cousins births. Um, and that's, you know, that's a role that's real in our community and our tradition. And that was a role that was present during slavery and before on the continent where the women in your group, often it was the women, um, especially in, you know, villages where there was a lot of, um, you know, societal separation between the men and the women when they would be fulfilling their roles or doing what they do in the community. A lot of times the women would hold that space for the birthing woman. Um, and not all of them were, you know, formally trained. So that's valid. Now, if you do want to take it a step further and, you know, have a, a well-rounded idea of what birth is, um, as well as some education about the process of birth, and also have the proper tools to assist people, you know, in navigating this very particular system of Western medicine um, and Western birthing practices, then I would definitely suggest a training. And I think that this, you know, at this day and age, it is vital, you know, or is, you know, it's very important if you're going to, especially assisting people in hospital settings, and birth centers, and even in home birth settings, you know, to have those tools and have that information. Um, so there's many programs. Um, I actually do have a list if anyone needs it, um, a list of black owned and operated um, doula training and certification programs. Um, because of course it is great and often best get it from our own people. Um, and to find, you know, people who are teaching and actually doing birth work in a way that, you know, you would see yourself doing it and that aligns with, you know, your values. Um, however, if you don't have access to Black trainings, um, you know, you can still get one from other institutions, you know, and, and use it accordingly. You know, um, a lot of people had to train with, um, you know, companies that they wouldn't suggest to other people, basically. And so, um, and that's valid, but they were able to get what they needed to get, you know, they're able to get the information, and they were able to chew the meat, spit the bone, and carry that with them in their toolbox. So, you know, that's always valid as well. Um, and then, of course, you have training and you have certification. Um, and I personally, you know, certification is great. And I feel like 
that's something that if people aspire to do it or people Mm -hmm. do it you just can't go you can't really go wrong you know if you get certified that's pretty much the highest that you can get as a doula um and then you know go moving forward as a midwife you can't get licensed and as a midwife um Mm -hmm. you know that's something that I would Mm -hmm. you know suggest unless you were to be training intensely you know in a traditional way meaning you're an apprentice to a long practicing long-standing midwife um but as a doula like I said certifications are always necessary um you know training of course is is really (laughs) beneficial but the experience the hands-on experience from that training um is what can really you know, really defines the doula because there are a lot of certified doulas who just aren't good at it, you know, and they just don't have it, you know? Um, and so that's where I don't think that, that, you know, that is the ultimate aspiration, you know, because I even know a lot of certified doulas who, you know, don't feel confident in their certification because they don't feel like the company taught them enough. Um, and so that's where, like I said, training is very important. And usually what makes the difference between a trained doula and a certified doula is like more paperwork things, you know, you might have to, um, you know, turn in some book reports, you might have to turn in some documented births, you know, a lot of times you have to have a certain amount of births before you're certified. And so that's, you know, that's all good. You know, that's, there's no problem with that at all. Um, however, if you don't do it that route, let's say you just read the books or, you know, maybe you don't even read all the books that they assign, but you find the right information. You really do your due diligence and research, you know, you find other people in the community, who you can shadow, mm-hmm. who can train you, or who can, you know, assist you along the way, and you're actually really good at it, you know, and you do what you do very well, then that's valid too, you know. So um, like I said, I do mm-hmm. feel that it is important to get the necessary training. You know, it just might not look like what is out there, you know, through like Dona and, and through these different mm-hmm. specific training programs um but yeah ultimately it it does take a lot of I feel like experience is the best teacher Mm -hmm. um and and that looks like you know being (laughs) being in that space with the birth person walking them through it you know and and having being able to do that multiple times you know over and over (laughs) that that'll teach you for sure so (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of a rundown of what it takes and, and how I would um, how I would tell people to move forward. And I do offer, you know, some guidance in that way. Because sometimes people have really specific questions. And for the most part, it is I have, um, you know, it, it's affordable slash free, depending on what it is that you need and what you're looking for. So if that were something that you were interested in, um, you know, finding your way through um, the training and the certification or what you should be doing, what type of birth work, because there's different types. Um, You know, if you just need a little guidance in that, definitely hit me up for that. um, Cause I really, I like to help direct us to the right spaces and the right, you know, the right places for this work. Cause we do want to get the best and most relevant information possible for us, you know, so that part yes thank you for being a resource for us of course all of your links are going to be in the show notes and i would also love to have that list of um black on training programs to put under mm-hmm. this episode too because that is so so necessary and so so important and we just love the birth the black birth workers out here doing the work yes. like we yes. do we're so thankful for you we love you like yes thank you to all all of you yes. doing this work yes 
Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit, since we're talking about liberation through birth, let's just kind of like talk about hoodoo and, and liberation. So I kind of want your thoughts on this. So recently I was talking to an elder who, I don't know if her episode is going to come out before this one or whatever, but talking to a hoodoo elder, um, a very um, well-researched scholar in hoodoo as well. And mm-hmm. she was talking about, you know, sort of hoodoo being born out of um, necessity and also like during a time when our bodies were literally enslaved. Um, we were enslaved people um, having access to hoodoo in order to get unenslaved. Um, and she mm-hmm. kind of um, was suggesting that hoodoo because it was born out of slavery and that black people are not enslaved in the same ways she understood mm-hmm. that i was like well let me one could argue she's like yes one could argue <laughs> that we are enslaved in particular ways but we are not enslaved as our ancestors were and i agree um so she was kind of saying like sh- hoodoo being a resistance work is it still then a resistance work because it was born out of slavery and we are not enslaved in the same ways? Um, and we kind of had a, a little bit of a dialogue and a back and forth about it because I was like, oh, well, I mean, I think it still is beneficial. But I did also understand if something was born out of enslavement and we're not enslaved in that same way, then how does it morph? How does it transform? How to, how can it change to be relevant now? That was my kind of mm-hmm. point. But I'm just curious as, and she's an older person who we love and respect, Dr. Sher- uh, Professor Sherelle. But I'm curious what your viewpoint on that is as, you know, a young person, as a young hoodoo, you know, what do, how, it, of course, I know you're going to say hoodoo is still relevant, but <laughs> I guess I'm guess I'm curious of that thought, like just to yeah. speak on that thought. Okay, yeah. What came up for me as you were speaking is um, evolution and transformation and transition, mm. um, which in itself is African traditional thought. Because you know, when you die, you just go through other processes and you're reborn again, and then you just go through this cycle, or you know, through the bloodline. It's this con- continuance type of um idea and so i think it's the same with our spiritual traditions all of them not just hoodoo because if we really look at um all african traditional religions right now they're all going through their own evolutions according to you know the conditions that are ever changing and so i think that is what makes a tradition you know, a tradition is is in, before it, it dies, you know, because some traditions have died and, and do die and, and will die. Um, but the ones that are, have not yet, it is it just like with a, a human or a species, um, it shows its evolutionary um, potential, you know, is, is able to continue to recreate itself, to um, adapt to the changes um, and find ways of survival. And so I think that really us as as people, um, as we are, as long as we continue, we hoodoo will continue. Now, maybe not the practices exactly. You know, I think that because all of our practices come from something, an obser- an observation of nature. You know, every everything that we do as African people was birthed from our 
observation and our calculations and our understanding of how nature works. And so as long as we are still doing that, we're still curious, we're still finding ways to, um, you know, to alter the conditions around us and within us, then, um, you know, hoodoo or whatever tradition will continue on just as we are and continue evolving just as we are. And so that's where I do feel like, you know, things are changing and will change. And I know that a lot of people, especially elders, are kind of resistant to that. Some elders, you know, can be resistant to the changes that are that are happening, um, especially think about like Internet. A lot of elders speak out about, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on online. And some a lot of it is very valid. Don't get me wrong. Um, but some are just kind of like it shouldn't be online at all. And you know, the thought is definitely understood and respected. However, because we are evolving, you know, and because this is, you know, what we do now, it's, we're kind of ever adapting in that way. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, it's old, we should leave that in the past. There are some things that I do think should be left in the past because we just really don't need it anymore. It's not Mm. necessarily relevant to us. We should Mm kind of honor it or some, maybe it's not even just, um, it, it could be not even a practice itself, but the way that it's carried out, you know, um, some things might just be kind of outdated. Some of the some of the materials that we might have used or some of the herbs that we might have used. But if it still works, it works. And I think that's why another reason why hoodoo is still moving the way it is, because it works. OK, you know, it works and, and it, it, it does what it needs to do. And so as long as that's happening, as long as people need things to be done, <laughs> I think it's going to mm-hmm. gonna continue, you know? I love that you just said that as long as people still need things to be done, <laughs> like hoodoo is still very much relevant because it gets things done. So as long as people got things that they want to shift, change, mm-hmm. um, create, have power with or power mm-hmm. over, <laughs> hoodoo is still mm-hmm. going to be very much present and alive. No, we're not still... Um, poisoning poisoning slave masters because we right. don't have that. But mm-hmm. there are, of course, other ways to address um, whatever systemic issues may be coming up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Which one? As long as we continue, who do continues? Um, yes, yes. I say to that. Yeah, and then also just want to, you know, I think also defining who do. Um, mm-hmm. which is important because a lot of times when people think who do, they only think the magical spiritual aspect or really the magical aspect, not even necessarily the spiritual aspect, because um, otherwise our black spirituality is still pretty alive and well. Um, but, you know, defining who do is more than just our magical practices, quote unquote, um, or our, you know, the, the tricks and the spells and that it is the people, you know, it is the culture, it is the art, it is the literature, it is all of the many things. Um, really, it, it's hoodoo is tribal, you know, it, it's really um, the people that put themselves together, put their commonalities together to form a new culture, a new group of people, which would be the Afro-American people. Um, you know, so anytime when I talk about hoodoo, I'm, I'm definitely talking about the full, the fullness of that, you know, in, in every aspect and not just the one aspect. So I just want to clarify that as well. Yeah, that's so important. And that's 
how we're supposed to view our traditions. That's how we're supposed to view, you know, ATRs and, you know, diasporic religions. You know, it's not separate. It's not just the tricks, like you said. It's not even just um, resistance all the time. Sometimes it's not mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can really like you said, transform and it can morph to be whatever we need it to be, which is, Mm -hmm. that's the amazing part about it. It can be whatever. Um, it can, it's useful whenever, um, Mm -hmm. to heal, to harm, you know, to Mm -hmm. to protect, (laughs) to draw in, like to push Mm -hmm. out the way to bring it in. To call out. To call out. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yes. Um, I appreciate your clarification and yes, we already got it because yes, that's how we view hoodoo over here. Yes. Now, um, I guess this is my last question because we're kind of on time. Okay. Um, can you talk about, I don't know why I want to ask this question last, but the importance of the crossroads Mm. and and hoodoo and yeah, I'm going to just start off. Can you just talk about the, the energy of the crossroads? Yes, it's funny because I was just thinking I have to make a trip to the crossroads <laughs> real soon. Like, um, but yes, man, the crossroads and just the crossroads in general. Um, one of my personal power places, just my personal um affinity, <laughs> you know, I have a natural affinity, and it's actually because the man of the crossroads been coming to me since before I knew who do. Um, actually he he played a a very and like you know a very close role in me even finding hoodoo he kind of was there along the way of course at first I was scared because I thought he was the devil (laughs) um coming out of Christianity I'm like what you know what is I don't know about this you know but um over time you know he revealed himself to me and I was able to um you know find comfort in what I was deathly afraid of at one point so that's great but yes the crossroads the crossroads energy always um it always brings up for me the um death and rebirth and the transition and just that um standing between those realms and the power that that holds um and and when I think about the crossroads I, I especially think about our ancestors and how they created you know, their own crossroads and how they found them, even with, with all the barriers, with the language barriers and with having to navigate a totally different landmass and um, having these white people on their backs and shit. Um, and they were still able to find those spaces where um, these two worlds intersected. And so I really feel like right now it, it's, it's important that we get back, you know, get back, find our, um, our connection to that just as a collective more. And we do, you know, we do it still in church and in many different ways, but really being more aware of it and letting that come to the forefront of our consciousness, um, as we're navigating the world. Um, because I think that right now with just so much, you know, so much that goes on in the world, it's easy to lose sight of that and to lose, you know, to to not be connected to the other side. And I feel like that's where the man of the crossroads come in and connecting mm-hmm. us to the other side. And a lot of people experience that energy, like we were talking about at, at the time of death. A lot of people encounter this energy, you know, mm-hmm. when even it's a loved one that's dying, you still, a lot of times that's people's um, close connection 
to the other side. Um, and then, of course, in birth as well, as I was talking about with the man at the crossroads being heavily involved in holding down that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when I think of when I think of like today um, and our connection, I definitely feel like, you know, I definitely encourage more hoodoos um, or people who are actually coming into this tradition and seeing that they are, um, you know, they're finding their place here to connect, you know, to connect with the man, the crossroads, not necessarily as their head deity or, you know, whatever you want to call it, but just in honoring and paying that respect to that energy and to Mm -hmm. that, you know, to that spirit and to that space, Mm -hmm. because really we need that space blessed. You know, we need it to be blessed and protected on a whole nother level, mm-hmm. on a whole nother level than it is right now, especially with so many of our people being lost, even in light of just COVID and yes, all this other shit, you know. But even beyond that, you got police brutality. We got people dying in prison every day. You know, we got mamas giving birth in traumatic spaces or having traumatic things happening to them. So these crossroads right now, <laughs> they need... They need some love. They need some, like I said, some fierce protection. Some they need us to hold it down, you know. And so that's what's coming up for me right now. Um, is just encouraging um, you know, people to to really honor that space in whatever way is comfortable with them, um, learning more about the man of the crossroads. And you can learn a lot through looking at other traditions that's where it's so you know we're so blessed to have access to so much information <laughs> you know um so we can learn about you know Eshu. we can learn about Papalegra we can learn about these different um crossroads spirits through uh, you know and even in Native American traditions um and like I said in our continental African and diasporic traditions we can learn about these crossroads spirits because there are a lot of similarities you know um we have to be careful not to not to say that they're the same, you know, because they they come from the same places and, you know, they have a lot of the same meanings and a lot of the same energies and, and things. But they are as different as, you know, we are as people when it right. comes to having different languages and things like that. Right. Um, so we do respect those differences. But you can learn so much um, from that and even kind of learning how to navigate that space. Um how to work the crossroads now a lot of stuff I really want to say that I know I can't say Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really can't say so I'm trying to keep it as general as possible Mm -hmm. but um but yeah that's what comes up for me that was that was so good I feel like that was a beautiful way to end too because I just loved how you you weaved in understanding you know more than just the crossroads man oh I'm getting to know like a spooky spirit which is what people think but like the energy of the crossroads is something that black people specifically are um consistently sometimes in conflict with or mm. um I can't think of the word but like we're always we're in relationship with often because of death because of the ways that we die like you said mm-hmm. in the midst of covid um and just black life being taken for granted what would it mean to love on the crossroad what will it mean to understand the energy of the crossroad so when we are um when we do see it quote unquote that it's not something that we run from but something mm-hmm. that we can help elevate and something that actually can heal, heal us and heal our communities. Mm-hmm. So that was super, super powerful. So thank you for saying that. Thank you for being on the show. Like there were so many things that just like, I'm going to think about when we hang up 
um, that I'm going to sit with and pray on. And I'm just so grateful for you and your work and just keep doing what you're doing. We love you over here on the podcast. And um, to close out, please just let us know how we can, you know, reach out to you. What services do you offer? Like, how can we find you? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I am of course on Instagram and Twitter at I am the creatress. Um, so you can always find me there. Um, I do have an online herbal botanica. We offer over 80 different herbs and roots, um, as well as other spiritual supplies. And that can be found at hoodoogoodjuju.com. Um, there I also offer my services. So I do have plant card divination. I do root work and herbal resources. So for those who, you know, may browse the shop and be like, hmm, I wonder what I should get on really know, or, you know, maybe just have some general questions about root work or about certain herbs. Um, there I can offer you, you know, more information and it'll be very specific to you and your needs. I do also take into account your medical you know, um, your, your different, your medical background and your medical history, um, and your allergies and things like that, which is really important. So if you did want something like that, please look the service. Cause I can't answer those things through DM. Um, also I have a Patreon community. So if you would like to learn more about a lot of the things that I'm talking about, plus more, um, it is there at patreon.com slash hoodoo good juju. You can find all my links on my social media site. So anything else that I might offer that you may be interested in, I got a link tree for that. So yeah. Yay. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you. Of course, y'all listening. Everything will be in the show notes. So you can uh, hit up Lisa, join the Patreon, support Hoodoo Good Juju and all the things. Uh, Again, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your work. I really, really appreciate everything that you do. You're such an inspiration to so many people. And so just want to take a moment to really appreciate everything that you offer, everything you bring to this to this world. <laughs> we need you, you. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Uh-huh. I'm reflection of you. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed this interview, of course, I know y'all did. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Bye. All you need is a little juju. Now, didn't that episode, wasn't it given? Wasn't it given? I hope you all enjoyed this episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to connect with Lisa, everything will be in the show notes. If you would like to connect with me, of course, you can find me on the Grizzy Gram at I-T-S-J-U-J-B-A-E. Um, you can also find me at It's Juju Bay on Twitter, on all the things are pretty much It's Juju Bay. On my website, it's jujubay.com. If you have some inquiries, ooh, child was the word inquiries um (laughs) media things sponsorships for the podcast because we love y'all um yes please reach out got y'all um and i think that's pretty much it yes so don't forget to hashtag alj pod to connect with other folks who listen to the podcast i appreciate you thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your hoodoo heritage month and remember all you need is a little juju later my spirit surrounded so i'll never try